that's ultimately where you want to be because you want to have a real business. And most people don't have a real business. They can't step away for a month and go away and, and have things still continue moving forward. You know, they walk away and everything stops. That's not a real business. Welcome to the No Broke Months for Real Estate Agents podcast. Working as a real estate agent can be incredibly rewarding and fulfilling, but it can also be frustrating if you aren't making the money you deserve. So if you're ready to end the stressful cycle of working hard for no results, then get started with a proven step-by-step system so that every month is No Broke Months. Mark Fisher has helped over 2,000 families achieve their goal of homeownership over the past 10 years, totaling over $1 billion in closed loan volume. Mark has been accredited in Scotsman Guide magazine as one of the top 75 loan originators in the country, Mortgage Professional America's Young Gun Stars of the Mortgage Industry, and National Mortgage Professional Magazine's 40 Under 40. In this episode, Mark will discuss how just getting started on real estate can have a massive impact on your family's future. My name is Dan Roshan. I'm the host of the No Broke Months podcast, which is a show for real estate agents to help you have no broke months. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the show. Mark, welcome. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me on here, Dan. It's my pleasure. So today, you and I are going to talk about creating generational wealth through real estate and why you should start now. And so you've been doing this for for a while. You've helped a whole bunch of people. What is it that I should know about creating generational wealth and how I could do that through real estate? And why should I start now? Yeah, um, I think probably some of the basic things is just getting started is number one and not focusing on timing because none of us can time things the way that we think that we can, uh, you know, just take the stock market or anything else. Like last year, I, I got out of the market a little bit and that's when everything was at the bottom and it went jumped back up. So you're never going to get it right. So I feel like, especially as a first time home buyer, you're going to be living in the properties, your primary residence, you know, just find something that, that makes sense for you in terms of a payment and, and get started because that's how you're going to start, you know, getting into the game of real estate, start building equity and really start changing the future of your family and, you know, wealth and trajectory you guys could, you can make with it. Yeah. So, um, how have you done that? I mean, like, how have you seen, like, give me an example of somebody that you've helped to be able to do. Uh, and I know that you're an investor. I know you own at least 11 properties. Talk me through a specific person that you've helped. So one person comes to mind, uh, this guy, Chris, he called me today. He was a past client of mine from 2011. Um, actually 2012, sorry. And uh, he bought a duplex for, it was like 362,000 back then, right? And at that point in time, it was post 2008. So people were a little bit, you had to kind of convince people that real estate was a good idea. So he was definitely one of those people that you had to do a little convincing with. He was you know, nervous and whatnot. But fast forward to today, he's thinking about selling the property, moving to New Jersey. That same property he bought for 362,000. I looked it up. It's worth somewhere around $670,000 today. So he not only like almost doubled the value of the property, but the more impressive thing is that he did an FHA uh, FHA loan only three and a half percent down. So he only came out of pocket twelve thousand dollars and change to buy that property. So if you look at like a leverage perspective, that's like a twenty four hundred times return cash on cash return on your money. Like how else could you really accomplish that? You know what I mean? Plus, obviously having a place to live, which you're gonna have to have a place to live anyway. But like 
I'm all about using leverage, uh, whether it's money, people, time, you know, to grow at, at, at a faster pace. I, I grew up with not much. I grew up with the projects with my, uh, my single mom. And I was one of the first people to be able to, uh, you know, buy my own property and my family. So definitely want to see other people achieve, achieve the same thing. And, and, you know, now, now this guy, he's going to be able to walk away with over $300,000 in his pocket. And it's going to be tax free because of the benefit of living the property for two out of the past five years and that being exempt from capital gains. So real estate is just such a great way to build wealth, in my opinion. Yeah. So you, you took that 12,000 or he took that 12,000 and parlayed it to 300,000 in 12 years. Right. So that's like, that's a very, very impressive return over a 12 year period of time. I mean, I'm hopefully I've got another 50 years left in me. So if I could do that every 12 years, I'd be, I'd be a happy man. (laughs) So what's been the biggest challenge that you've seen in, uh, in the industry? I mean, I think right now, especially a lot of agents are and, and mortgage professionals and just everyone in the industry is experiencing the inventory crunch um, and, and rates being higher. But I think people kind of somewhat got used to rates being higher at this point uh, and they just jumped up again. So now we're pretty much at, at the high, 23 year highs. So it's not, not fun for anyone. No one likes higher rates, but uh, the Fed is doing what they got to do to try and keep inflation down and back to their target rate of 2%. But it's more so, you know, the higher rates go, the less people, the less amount of people want to sell, right? Because if they have a they have a three percent rate or four percent rate, and I think there's over like sixty percent of people have less than a four percent rate in this country, to go from a, a three to four percent rate to a seven seven and a half percent rate, just doesn't make sense for a lot of people. Which is why the higher rates go, the less inventory, less transactions there are. So, I mean, just generally speaking, like I think there's like thirty five percent or so less transactions than they were just like a year ago, you know, because of just the lack of inventory. But once rates come down, that will uh, unfurl upon itself. But I think that's the most, that's the biggest issue and most pressing issue for, for people in the industry right now is just like less transactions happening. Yeah. And we're having this conversation in August of 2023. If you're in the future watching this right now, the uh, you may be in a different situation. Um, but what we do know is we know what's happened in the past. And um, we know through the pandemic that there was a, um, you know, people from uh, urban areas were moving to suburban areas, moving to rural areas uh, because people didn't want to be on top of each other. And then appreciation. Uh, so that had an appreciation of prices in the marketplace of uh, properties. And then about a year and a half after that, the inflation continued to rise. So that had a, uh, a push up on the economy. So there was like a double push on prices, one through that exodus from the urban areas to the suburban areas and the people in the suburban areas like, I'm not selling. Well, how about I give you another $100,000? Yes, I'm selling. And that was the conversation. And then inflation came because of all the government stimulus throughout the pandemic. And then you fast forward to the government's like, oh, goodness, we need to control this. And then they started rising, um, raising interest rates. And that brings us pretty much to where we are today. How much, um, what's your crystal ball? Uh, Grab your crystal ball if you could and talk to the guy listening to this in 2025. Let's see if we got it right or not. What do you, what do you predict for the future? I mean, ultimately, like people have been preaching about a a market crash, real estate crash for some time now, and it still hasn't happened. And and really like the dynamics don't support it, especially from like an inventory perspective. And, And if you just think about it, there's less transactions happening. So you have a, you're gonna have a lot of pent up demand for especially millennials are like the biggest uh, home buyer 
demographic right now that just can't find properties. So you have all these people that want to buy but can't. So once rates come down, it's just going to continue to push prices higher, which you're going to have more transactions happening, but you're still going to have price pressures. So you're not going to be, it's not like you're getting a deal, right? You're not going to, it's not going to be any cheaper than it is today because you're going to have lower rates, but you're going to have more pressure on prices. So I think, I think we're going to have more transactions happening in the next, you know, uh, year or two. So I think that will help a lot of people who are in the business because just the, the volume perspective. But I think it's still going to be maybe even more competitive from a, a buyer standpoint in terms of you know having multiple offers and whatnot and, and prices being high. So I think that's still going to be a challenge. But I've always been a person that focuses on, on the opportunity, not on the gap and the lack in things. So I can't control what I can't control. You know, none of us can. So why even worry about it? So I'm going to focus on the things that I can control to be able to push my business forward and to help the people that I interact with on a, on a daily basis. What's the opportunity? I mean, I think just getting started, like stop. Um, I think most people are, are trying to time the market. They're trying to, you know, they, they get scared when they see that things are, you know, rates are 7%. They're, they, get, they get scared when they see that there's a lack of inventory. But I think kind of just, you know, getting started, getting pre-approved and then just start the hunt. You're not going to find something right away because things are like inventory is short. But the right thing will come along and that home is going to build equity over time. If you try and wait three years, you not only paid all that rent during that three-year time frame, but you lost all that potential for the equity growth, which I really think that you know home prices are going to continue to grow at a pretty decent pace over the next few years um, as rates come down. And historically speaking, when, when rates come down, prices move up because it brings more, more buyers out there, a lot, a lot more people can qualify. A lot more people get excited when rates are lower, right? Yeah. If you look at just like a conservative five percent appreciation, which I think is very realistic over the next five years, you know, if you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar property, that's twenty thousand dollars per year that you're you're missing out on by by not purchasing and waiting, right? So it only gets sure. harder and harder as you as you wait. Yeah, I think my crystal ball to, is is pretty aligned with yours, where I'm looking at. About 18 months from today, so we're going into 2025 at that point, there's going to be a release of this pent-up supply and demand, right? Because there's there's about 50% less consumers transacting today than there were a year ago. And those there are many, many people, I can't tell you how often I had the phone conversation with, I would do it right now, but, well, at some point, those buts are going to go away. And I think, and I'm not 100% certain on this, right? So I'm for 99% certain that that's going to happen, that there's going to be this onslaught of, of supply and demand hitting the marketplace in 18 months. The one that I'm, and I do believe that interest rates will go down. So I feel that that's a 99% as well. Where they'll go to, I'm not 100% sure on. I believe 5% is about where we'll see the market balance at. And I think that that's going to probably take more than 18 months to get there. What are your thoughts on my predictions for that, Mark? In terms of interest rates? Um, yeah, and timing of what it will take to get back to there. I mean, I think that rates in two to threes are, are a thing of the past. That was just an artificial environment that we we're in because the government was buying ten billion dollars worth of bonds every single month, which is obviously you know what what pushed rates so low. So unless we see you know uh, a black swan event like we saw with COVID, that's probably not realistic. Um, I think realistic. At least speaking, we're probably looking at rates in like the high fours, low five range. I think that's like a, a a good, comfortable place to be at, and then I think that will draw a lot more activity into the market as well. Um, but I think 
that's probably going to take about a year or so. I think that ahead of the election, uh, and me being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, that that rates will uh, move lower ahead of that. So probably, uh, you know, early I didn't consider that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so early to like mid next year, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see rates that are, you know, back down to at least around like the low six range, potentially. Yeah, I had it because, you know, I don't think that's conspiracy at all. I think that and that's not, you know, that's not about one political party or another. I think that that's that's yeah. probably across the yeah. board that things like that happen. Um, hey, vote for me. Look what I just did to interest rates. Exactly. So, exactly. That's interesting. Excuse me for interrupting my own show. You are freaking amazing. And because you're amazing, I'm going to ask for a quick favor. It'll just take you 30 seconds for you to leave a favorable five-star rating or review on your favorite platform. Then what I'll do is I'll enter you into a raffle where we can meet 45 minutes for a free coaching session. And I'll also give you a copy of the book, Real Estate Evolution, which is the 10-step guide to CPI, consistent and predictable income. Oh, by the way, I'm the author of that book. So if you'd like for me to coach you, give you some nuggets and help you in your business, go ahead and leave a review and you can enter into the monthly raffle to win. What caused you get into mortgage? Uh, like most people who get into mortgages by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've tripped into it. Tell yeah. us about it. I, uh, I, I went to Fordham University and I graduated and then I was trying to kind of figure out life at that point in time. And um, a friend of a friend uh, was in the business, put a post on Facebook, uh, thanks to Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in the mortgage business right now. And um, I met up with him. He was, I think, 24 at the time, re really crushing it. And then I started shadowing him and uh, mentoring with him for the for the next few months, or actually like a year or so. You know, that's how I got into it. And I decided to like one. I love that it's very entrepreneurial. You know, whether you're a real estate agent or you're a mortgage professional, like there's no cap, right? And and I love that there's no cap. I was uh, involved in property management, or I thought that's what I wanted to do when I was, uh, you know, when I graduated from college, but. I, you know, at that point in time in 2011, to make a hundred grand would take you five years, and it just was too slow for me, and there wasn't the yeah. upside potential there. So that's what I love is that like I could, the harder I work, the more results I could see from it, and it's work hard but also work smart. And at this point in my career, it's more about work smart. Yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. And uh, my first, I don't know, probably about six years or so, I would consistently double my business year over year. You know, nowadays it gets a little bit hard to to double, but uh, but I, I love you know just always figuring out like the systems and the strategies and the people, like everything involved in figuring out how I can go from A to B, B to C, and whatnot. What's been your biggest challenge in building the business? People, I would say, uh, in terms of like staffing and whatnot, finding good people and uh, being able to get out of your own way as well. So many people in this business feel like they. They need to do it on themselves because they're the best at what they do. But there's so many great people out there. And it's changing your mentality that you don't have to be the one to do everything. And you know, reframing your business so that you create the right scripting and, and whatnot so that people still feel like you're involved in the process, even though you're not the one that's constantly doing every step of the process. Yeah. Mark asked me to give you a call. <laughs> exactly. That's my yeah, that's my that's my favorite script for client care and client service when you're when you get in the right people. And uh, yeah, I've also had the, um, I would say my struggles would be along the same areas of, of people. 
Uh, yet, as I develop in business, I find that it's more about me than them. First of all, you know, it's it's about who I you know show up to be as a leader, and then also understanding that people aren't perfect, and you know, um, I'm probably going to be the hardest working guy in my business, and so using myself as a standard for others is probably unfair. Ultimately, it's just about figuring out how to be able to provide them with a resource so that they can achieve their goals mm-hmm. and that they can be able to create the lives and design the lives that they, you know, that they intend to do so. And that's as a leader, that's what I look at my responsibility. Now, yeah. in return, what my expectation of another is, is that they um, they step up and they take charge also- of their lives and they take charge of their relationship within the business as well. Ultimately, so, you want people that could that could uh, you don't have to constantly be on their back where they take the initiative and you're not having to constantly micromanage them. You know, you have to build that relationship over time and and trust and ability and whatnot. But uh, have you ever read the book uh, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan? Sure, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great book and it explains it really really well. Like, can you do this or should you do this? Right? If you could, you know, do this task and it's a twenty dollars an hour task, but your time is worth a lot more. Why, why are you doing it? There's plenty of people that could do it you know, just as good as, or 80% as good as you can. Um, and it makes a lot more sense to have them do it rather than you do it. Yeah. I would say in many cases, 200% better than I can. Yeah. <laughs> you already know 87% of all real estate agents fail in this business. And you also know it doesn't have to be that way. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income, I invite for you to get your free copy of Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, consistent and predictable income for real estate agents. And you can do so when you visit www.therealestateevolution.com. I'll share with you your book that I authored to show you the way. Thanks. I got a, uh, uh, I want to get back to the generation of wealth, but before I do so, I've got a, a buddy of mine who is a business leader. And I'd say that he has one thing he does well and he sucks at every sing- single thing else. He sucks. He's a sucky leader. He's a sucky doer. He's sucky at almost every single thing that he does except for one thing, which is finding the right people. And he is a tremendously successful business owner. Right. That's and that's all he yeah. does. That's all he does. Like his full-time job is, Dan, I, my job's not to run the business. My job is to find the who. Exactly. Right? My job is to go find the next person. And I don't, I'm not involved in the business at all. That's ultimately where you want to be because you want to have a real business. And most people don't have yeah. a real business. They can't step away for a month and go away and, and have things still continue moving forward. You know, they walk away and everything stops. That's not a real business. Yeah. All right, let's go back to creating generational wealth. And so give me a blueprint, right? So go back to clients that you've helped in the past. Go back to um, case studies of this guy did this. You, you gave us one earlier where the gentleman, you know, paid um, a certain amount of money, $12,000 down payment. 12 years later, it's $300,000. What else have you seen of how to be able to really, really create, create that generation of wealth uh, uh, from clients from your, uh, from your past? So I'm, I'm going to preface this with, I'm not a believer that everyone should be buying a property because not everyone's in a position to buy a property, right? And there's people that say everyone should own a home. To me, it's not true, right? Everyone's in a different stage in life, different position. Like if, if you're paying $1,500 for a month for rent, 
then go into a $4,000 mortgage payment probably doesn't make sense, right? Unless you're buying an investment property and cash flow and whatnot. So I think that you have to figure out where where you're most comfortable in, in your stage of life. So I just want to start off with that. But I, I think the people that that are able to know the the value of leverage, and let's say, you know, this person that I was talking to you about earlier, where he, you know, was able to take that property and and really grow a significant amount of, mo- amount of money from his initial investment, but will then take that and then leverage it into something bigger or or leverage it into, you know, uh maybe two different properties, maybe one he lives in and maybe one he uses as an investment property. I mean, I I never could really relate or understand the people that would have a property that's owned outright and they just they're they're so excited about paying off the mortgage and, and getting it down to zero, which is a great feeling, right? I can imagine it's a, it's an awesome feeling, but it's also not the most smart. That's not the smartest thing to do, right? Because now your money isn't working for you. And if you could, you know, I, I have two little girls. I have uh, McKenna and Sienna. They're a year and a half and three years old. So ultimately, I want to be able to work smart and be able to leverage and, and make the right moves so that my kids have it easier in the future. And then ultimately, I leave a legacy that, you know, that could last until their kids and beyond. So, you know, being able to, you know, take a property, build it up, hold it for a period of time, possibly like re-leverage if it makes sense. And then now let's say you have two properties. Well, now, you know, let's say you have two rented properties, the tenants are paying down the mortgages for you. Like people don't realize the power of just like principal pay down. Like, yeah. you know, obviously you want to have cash flow. Cash flow is great. Uh, it's just hard to find right now. But, you know, simply finding a property and, and having all your debt paid by your tenants. I do a calculation every quarter or so. And I look to see how much I've accumulated net worth just based on my mortgages being paid down. And it's pretty powerful how quickly that starts to build upon itself. And especially the later years in, in your loan, right? You're going to have, a, it's going to start to pick up in speed. Which is pretty yeah. cool to see because of the amortization. So um, paying more principal as it goes through. Mark, how could somebody get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is find me on social NYC underscore mortgage. Instagram is probably my uh, my primary uh, contact way. You can send me a DM through there, or you could uh, shoot me a, an email at mfisher at unmb.com. NYC underscore mortgage. That is a freaking brilliant handle, my man. <laughs> Good job. Hey, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your your bit of wisdom with us. For uh, the real estate agents joining us today, I invite you to an upcoming five-day listing challenge that I'm hosting soon, where I'll show you the exact ways that you can uh, take three or four listings every single month of your career. I'm going to show you the tactics and the strategies. You can join me at www.5daylistingchallenge.com. That's the number five, daylistingchallenge.com. Until next time, uh, well, before I say this, like and subscribe and all the other cool stuff. Until next time, have the best day of your life. Thanks so much for listening to the No Broke Months podcast today. Until the next show, I invite for you to be grateful, make good choices, help someone, have the best day of your life, and go find a listing. This is Mitch Steven. You know, I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing Dan Roshan. Dan is a top team leader in the D.C. area with Keller Williams, and he breaks down his journey. He's somebody that, you know, struggled for the first six months, like so many real estate agents do, and then something clicked. He helped me tremendously, specifically with creating systems in place. 
very important to have a process in place that works not just for you, but for also the client.